Welcome to the Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we've got Lance Bennett in the podcast studio. Lance is the VP of Specification and National Accounts at Cooper Lighting. And today he's here to talk to us a little bit more about what's going on in our industry in terms of how we absorb information, how we're informed, how we learn about things, and really how much is still out there that's unknown. And really, at the end of the day, how much we really just have to quantify and continue to push out into the market. How do we get people excited about lighting? How do we let them know that you can be a police officer, a doctor, a firefighter, or believe it or not, a lighting designer? Lance, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Great, Sam. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you so much for having me. You bet. It's really nice to have you here. You know, we enjoy having these fun, thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about lighting. And I can't think of a better person to have one with than Lance Bennett, who's been in the industry literally longer than I've been alive. You know a thing or two. You're, past- well, you're really young though, Sam. <laughs> I want to point that out to our listeners that, you you know, Sam is really not more than about 22 years old. Last time I checked, I asked somebody in the park the other day, like, what are you, 18, 19? I was like, no, I'm 33. So yeah, you're right. I'm young. I mean, Lance, you were the past president of the IES. It goes without saying lighting runs in your veins. But for those people who haven't got the chance to know Lance completely, awesomely, so much, so much fun over time, tell everybody who's Lance and how did you get your start in lighting? Well, Sam, like you said, I was one of those kids that did not know that there was an opportunity in lighting growing up. Now, I don't know that I wanted to be a police officer or a doctor or a lawyer, but I did start out in engineering. And upon nearing the end of my educational degree in engineering, I got a phone call from a lighting controls company that exposed me to the opportunities in our industry and made a decision to join and uh, that was nearly 40 years ago, 37, 38 years ago, and haven't looked back. And it's been such a wonderful ride and a wonderful opportunity and career to get to know so many people in our industry. When you got started in the industry, I think everybody remembers their first job. You're super excited because you literally know nothing, but you think you know everything <laughs> and you're getting paid and you don't have homework or anything else. Do you remember that first moment? <laughs> yeah, you know, excited, but also scared. I've never actually been one of those people that think I know everything. In fact, qu- quite the opposite. I'm always thinking that there's so much more to learn and there's, that everybody else in the room knows more than me. And most of the time that is true for me anyway. But I do remember my very first day and it was, uh, you know, it's super exciting and thrilling. Like you said, uh, all of a sudden you're, instead of going to school, you're going to a job and you're getting paid, which is exciting. But again, I've been very blessed to be, uh, involved in our industry and work with and for people that have furthered my career, furthered my education, uh, and given me an opportunity to do so many things in our industry. You just brought up three really important things, right? The first is there's been a lot of people that have given you opportunities. The second is there's a lot of places that you've been and gone in order to learn more. And the third is, well, you corrected me, right? You don't actually know anything and you always really enjoy being in the room and learning from others. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to lighting. There's a lot to talk about as it relates to what's available in the industry in terms of the terminology behind it and just how much stuff and how many things are out there. Unpack that a little bit for me and talk to me a little bit more about what's it like when you think about how much time does it really take to learn about something? Well, particularly I think lighting, uh, one of the things that makes it exciting and challenging is that it's one of 
you know, a handful of professions that really require a great degree of technical knowledge, but also really embraces creativity and design. And, you know, that old adage of left brain, right brain, there's some truth, I think, in that concept. And that's why I think lighting is such an interesting field. And if you talk to the construction industry or in design, but not specifically in lighting, there seems to be a constant comment about what makes lighting so different. And I think that's part of it. There's a lot of parts of design that don't require the technical knowledge, perhaps that lighting does. And then there's other parts of the construction industry or other professions that are very technical, but don't require that creativity and design. So I think that's why it takes a lot longer sometimes to really become knowledgeable in lighting. And lighting, you know, we receive something like 80% of our knowledge through our visual system. So you think about how impactful lighting is. And we're not just talking about electric lighting, although in our profession, that's what we spend most of our time. Although again, uh, you know, the appropriate daylighting of space is so critical and so important. We know that people want a connection to nature. And so that's very impactful, but we get so much information. So there's so many topics to cover and it's only gotten so much more exciting over the last 10 or 15 years because lighting has more capabilities today than it ever had from a control standpoint, from a data collection standpoint. From an integration standpoint, from uh, what the form factor is. I mean, everything about lighting really has changed in the last 15 years. I think everything has the potential to change. It's changed a lot. And I think there's a lot more change coming because if you think about it, we're still approaching lighting very much like we have traditionally. Lighting for the most part still is in the ceiling. Lighting is still, obviously uh, lighting form factors have changed. Scale has changed, but you know, the real basics, if you get back far enough, still have a lot more opportunities to change. If you think what can be, if you forget anything you know about lighting and just start with a blank sleeve of paper. If you were able to go back thousands of years, you know, before the advent of electric lighting at all, and you could start, you know, with the technology we have today, what would lighting industry look like? It would definitely look different. I don't think I could answer anything past that. I want to go back to the left brain, right brain comment. Everybody says left brain, right brain. Lighting is a combination of art and science. And you kind of pinpointed right on that. When there's a lot to learn, it's because it's two parts make a whole. And unfortunately, maybe you kind of got to have both parts to get lighting. It's a very interesting topic. It's a very interesting thought. And I personally think that that's very real. Like you said, it's 80% of what we see. There's our visual cortex. There's We're seeing stuff every single day. Seeing makes us feel a certain way, which I don't necessarily know if people think about their vision as their main way of how they feel something. Like we're used to temperature, right? Or touch or feeling as being something like that. But feeling is emotion. It's safety. It's security. It's intimacy. It's all these things. And light can create that. But when you think about what goes into educating, or should I say informing, and just getting that knowledge base out there, how many topics are there, right? How many things do people need to like technically understand to then say, oh, that design or oh, that emotion is created through light? How many stars are in the sky? That's a good question. I know all of them are suns and galaxies far, far away. Though. There you go. You know, what makes another thing that's interesting about lighting is that people find formulas that have worked in the past and effects and, and you know, whether it's products or lighting effects, there's a lot of reuse of those designs, but every project's unique. You know, working for a manufacturer, you know, talking to designers, you know, I think I like to point out that we have the luxury as a manufacturer of making a lot of different products, but we make lots of them. But an architect and a lighting designer, their product is the project, is the every 
project has a unique set of requirements. The clients, uh, the end users, whoever is going to occupy the space, the purpose of the space, the function of the space, everything drives thoughtful design. I think that makes it exciting, but also challenging. When you think about design in terms of a lot of different designs or a lot of different applications, there's a lot of products out there as well. And marrying up products with application and intent is obviously a way to achieve a design. I don't think there's any argument there, but what there's a lot of argument about is what can, should, will, or will not be agreed on in terms of the impact that light can make in a space. And that goes back to kind of the source of information, right? The opportunity to understand that light can do this. There's a million avenues to sort of get that information today. Talk to me a little bit about how you've seen our industry progress in terms of creating more opportunity. Well, the IES has been, you know, around for, you know, over 100 years now, and it's the ANSI standards organization. I think most people that are in our profession uh, know of the IES or hopefully are members of the IES. And that is a great vehicle for information and education. The IELD with International Association of Lane Designers is an organization that also provides information and education primarily for the lighting design community. And and of course, what you're doing, Sam, I think is so impactful to our industry is you're providing a vehicle and a forum to provide information to you know those constituents that are already involved with the IES and ILD. But I think you're also reaching out beyond those particular organizations. And I think the lighting industry has an opportunity to grow so much. The, the IES is the largest and oldest lighting professional society in the world today, but reaches such a small percentage. If there's, uh, you and I were talking the other day, there's 7 billion people on the planet. How many of those 7 billion people care about lighting? Well, the reality of them, vast majority care about lighting, but are they involved in our profession? You know, do they need our level of knowledge and education? Perhaps not, but it's certainly the, the audience for lighting is a lot bigger than members of the IES and members of the ILD. And, you know, I think one of the wonderful things about the IES, it is a all-inclusive organization. So everybody is welcome, but it still has historically been kind of dominated by manufacturers and consulting engineers and lighting designers. And I think the good news is the work that the IES has done over the last several years is uh, outreaching beyond those traditional avenues to reach out more into the academic world, to reach out into the realm of contractors and distributors and lighting agents, and to reach out globally beyond uh, North America. The IES is based here in the United States. The headquarters are in New York City, but it is a global organization with members in something like 200 countries, but the vast majority of those members are in North America. You mentioned the IES, which is an incredible organization. I've been involved with that as long as I've really been a student in lighting and a professional as well, which amounts to about 15 years, which as we all know now is half my life. I love lighting. I, I couldn't say it any other way. It's just the corniest, truest thing ever. The IES started with the lighting community, with the spec engineers, with lighting designers, with manufacturers. It goes without saying, don't take it the wrong way anyone, right? It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the people that are the most enthusiastic about it. So why wouldn't you create your nonprofit that is meant to advocate for them around them. I think at this point in time, in 2021, we've had an internet for 20 years, social media, like it or not, is running a lot of the way we consume information and connect with people. We have this group, we have organizations, we have people in the lighting design community and the lighting industry and manufacturing and distributorships and contractors that all care about lighting. How can we as a group kind of reflect on 
all the tools that are available for us and say, this is what we agree on. This is what matters and start to maybe take a higher level message and push it out of our industry in an effort to take the 10,000 lighting enthusiasts with an ultimate, maybe unrealistic, but opportunistic goal to connect with 7 billion people. You know, if you go back in time, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was probably the challenge, and it's not just true in lighting, I think it's true in general. 100 years ago, the challenge was there was a lack of knowledge availability to the masses. Today, our challenge is there is a mass of knowledge and how do we? How does the right person find the right information at the right time? Well, you uh, just Google it, Lance. Well, that's right. That's right. Uh, I've heard about that. I've used that <laughs> once or twice, I think. But you, you yeah. Google lighting education and see all the sources of potential information. Yet the specific information you may be looking for may be quite hard to find. You know, even if you start, and even if you type in a very specific piece of information, there are literally thousands, if not you know, millions of of sources of information from places like the IES that, that are creating uh, standards and codes or helping create standards and codes to manufacturers to design professionals all have their opinion and um, you know are providing information i think there's two places here right there's lighting education in terms of getting people up to speed on the power of light the science behind light the art of light right and connecting all that together but then there's also just the education behind the industry the fact it exists all the different opportunities the careers in the fact that this provides an opportunity for people in life, whether they know it or not. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's dive into those two things a little bit more. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They make short two-minute videos. They've got this podcast and a variety of other things to help you just get excited about lighting. Check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Lance and I were just chatting a little bit more about how there's a lot of programs that have actually already been established to try and foster the general knowledge of, hey, lighting exists. It's a career, it's an opportunity, it's an industry. And also, you know, what we can do as an industry to probably educate people that are what I'll call lighting enthusiasts or like lighting curious, but not necessarily know, maybe even they could call a lighting designer to get an answer, how we can get them a little bit more into it. Talk to me about both of those things, Lance. So, you know, again, you know, both Sam and I, I think, you know, we spent a bit of time knowing each other and we come from experience of more around engineering and design in lighting, but through the IES, I've been uh, exposed to distributors. There are a lot of electrical distributors out there that have educational programs that help to educate their end clients as well as contractors. The IEC, which is the Independent Electrical Contractors, and NECA, which is the National Electrical Contractor Association. We don't often think about contractors, you know, being educated in lighting, but both of those organizations run educational programs for their members that do include lighting. What's the opportunity for the IES and the ILD to reach out to people beyond their core group of individuals? You know, you walk into a party, do you walk up to a stranger or do you, you know, there's 30 people in the room. Do you walk up to the person that you know and start having a conversation? You know, is it normal human nature? to walk up to a total stranger and introduce yourself and start talking. It's not the norm. Just depends if they have candy. Well, good point. (laughs) Yes, right. To your point, though, you 
typically walk up and you say hi to the people you know. Why? Because you're comfortable, but you probably want to talk to them. Right. Because you have something to share with them. You already have some connection. You already have some basis of, of familiarity. So there's a great jumping off point. But again, I think one of the interesting things that you're doing, Sam, and to your point, the that World Wide Web thing has been around for just a couple of years. There's a whole new way to connect to people and it isn't necessarily always a personal relationship. And I think these organizations provide content and they provide services to their members, but there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't even know that the IES exists. And I think, again, I think what you're doing here at Light Eye is bringing that message, that opportunity to throw a net around more people that may currently not be in the lighting profession or industry, but that might, once they find out what some of the opportunities are and what someone in our profession might do, gets them converted and gets them excited. And you know, man, you mentioned that what we're not doing a lot to find educated or people to come into our industry. People are looking for lighting designers right now. There are the lighting design profession is uh, is booming. Booming because right? lighting design is important and it matters and Shout out to all of the lighting designers who have worked tirelessly for four decades to establish that they are valuable and they are worth something because you are and you're crushing it. And you and I and everybody that's probably listening to this podcast knows light makes a difference. But what are we going to do about, you know, all the people that aren't listening today, that aren't learning about light, that, as you said, are experiencing it? What can our community do whether it's joining a podcast or getting the local news to sponsor their project. How do we sell lighting outside of lighting? Take a bigger view, take a longer term view. A lot of times you're really looking to sell the concept of lighting, not a specific product, not a specific design service, but I've looked back and through my career, I've I call, there's a more than a handful, but not hundreds of people that I call Pied Pipers of Lighting. They're the people that inspire us, that you meet and paint a visual picture of the impact that lighting has. You and I were talking about a famous landscape photographer that has captured some amazing images that aren't necessarily about light, but light is such an important part of the composition. So all of us have an opportunity to reach out and to touch people. And again, what I would say is reach out beyond your comfort zone. Take that extra step. I promise you it'll be worth it. Go out to reach out. If you're a design professional, reach out to a contractor or to a distributor. Give them the opportunity to be educated. They're, they're out there. They want to learn. If you're a distributor or a contractor, don't be afraid to walk up to a lighting designer and ask them why they chose a certain effect or a certain product or why they did what they did. Don't be afraid to do that. The things you'll learn, I think, will amaze you. I think what you're saying here is so true. And I just want to add to it. I think my experience has been sometimes you can go up and have a conversation with them about a light on a project, right? And maybe in the profession, you feel like you have to teach the person on the other side of the table about you and your value, what you're doing or the project. No, just like go human to human, right? Talk to people at restaurants about how you're annoyed when the lights dim, right? Just comment on light and how it makes you feel and how it affects you. Because to your point, people do like to learn. They want to learn what they want to learn. They don't want to learn what you want to force feed them, right? They didn't sign up for class. They signed up to maybe be at the same place at the same time as you and that's it. So you have to take an opportunity to, as you said, go back to the high level and what we can do as a community is maybe just start to have conversations about awareness of light, not necessarily, of course, we want to tell them who we are and what we do and why it's important because we know that. But if we can't simply engage them from the beginning, 
to get them to think that it's worth even considering having a discussion about. We've lost them before we started. I think we have a tendency to think that, you know, we have knowledge that someone else wants, but turn that around. The people we're talking to, they know something you don't. You're working with an electrical utility. They have a different perspective on the lighting world than I might as a manufacturer. Same thing with the lighting designer. Same thing with the electrical engineer. Same thing with the lighting agent. Same thing with the lighting distributor. We all have our experiences and knowledge and tend to listen more than talk and probably benefit from it. When you listen more than you talk, I've struggled with that at times. I get way too excited. I get way too passionate. Talk to me just a little bit more about what it means to listen. We had Steve Nicola on the podcast. I think you know Steve. He said, we've got two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionally. What does it mean to you when I say, hey, Lance, how does our industry listen more to what's outside of it so that we can do a better job of talking to the entities, the human race uh, about the way we need to? First of all, I think it's always been a challenge because human nature is that we want to impart our knowledge. We want to influence. I think most people want to feel like they're making a contribution and we feel that communicating our thoughts and ideas are the basis of that. Now add today, we are challenged with more topics to discuss and debate and less time to do it. How many of us can relate to that team, Zoom, WebEx, it's the topic is X, it's 30 minutes long, 12 people are on the call, everybody's vying for their, you know, kind of moment in the sun. And I think it does challenge the opportunity to, as Steve said, to listen more than you speak. If you think about our industry, right? If you think about, I mean, let's just face it, right? Light is super powerful. The sun comes up and goes down every day. Turn the lights when you turn the lights on when you walk into a dark room. Lit parking lots versus dark parking lots. Most people want to be in a lit parking lot, right? We as humans like light. We're attracted to light. What can we listen to? What can we go out there and try to absorb as an industry in terms of trying to figure out how the general public who doesn't know light exists, but inherently, you know, pays attention to it because they're attracted to a well-lit space. What do we do? How do we kind of turn the page and use modern technology to say, hey, the IES is here, or hey, there's codes and standards. We can go all the way to Washington. I know the IES wants to lobby and do all these other things to make sure that when programs are put in place, they make sense for our industry because we do have a ton of knowledge. Is it an uphill battle for us? Is it an uphill battle for society as a whole, no matter what we're talking about? You actually touched on a number of topics. Well, first of all, the IES does not lobby. I think most people in our industry think that that's a function of the IES, but it's an anti-standards organization. It is not part of their purview to lobby our politicians. There are other organizations uh, National Electrical Manufacturers Association, NEMA, is a lobbying entity, and there are others as well. And I like the ILD does lobby on behalf of the lane design profession. But I think the topic that you kind of hit on was, first, I think you have to inspire people. And again, we were talking a few minutes ago off mic, but people learn more when they're smiling, when they're excited. And I think a lot of people have said that people in our industry talk to ourselves a lot. We tend to congregate together. Uh, we share a common passion. I really do believe there are a lot more people around the world that if they knew the power of the ability to control and to put lighting and to use 
the power of technology we have today, there'd be many more people involved in lighting. And it gets back to what is our industry doing to you know draw people in? Again, the IALD and the IES, as well as many other organizations are, and again, Light, light Eye is putting the message out given the opportunity for people to become more informed once and, and, and inspired, informed and inspired. And again, maybe it's inspiration first and then informed. Once someone gets the uh, vision of what can be, then they get a little information. Then they find out that there's a lot more information that's available to them. And I think that the future is very bright, pun intended, for our industry, because I believe there is going to be, because of the th- technology, because of the impact we have on the consumption of uh, renewable or non-renewable energy sources, we have a huge impact in uh, not just the the visual environment, but the overall environment uh, and the impact we have is amazing. It's only going to get you know more challenging and more opportunities to operate in different parts of our industry. I mean, that's the other thing is that you know, there we probably know people that are super knowledgeable. If I said, Sam, who would you call to help you with a sports lighting project or who would you call if you were working on the lighting of a library or a uh, higher education or a lab or fill in the blank. There's probably people within our industry that are experts within specific categories. And I think that's going to become even more and more prevalent as we go forward, as technology expands, as our opportunities to use lighting in novel and new ways that we haven't thought of in the past. I think to your point, there's so much going on in lighting. There are so many people who are so good at what they do. There is so much amazing brain power and there are so many people making a difference every day. Everybody is. And if they can go out with the thought of being simply inspirational, and passionate about what they do without getting into the details, without worrying about whether or not it gives them their next business opportunity or anything else, but just give back, whether it's to a local community, whether it's to a local chapter that, you know, hybrids into the AEC world. So it's interiors, it's landscape. Heck, it could be a conservation, animal conservation, you know, nonprofit if landscape lighting's your thing or, you know, in a national park or something. I don't, I don't know. There's so much to be done as it relates to just simply inspiring people to reflect, no pun intended, on light and shadow to see what happens. Lance, I know you've been at Cooper for 30 plus years. It's a massive organization that has, I'm sure, just a few initiatives going on. You have a new partnership with Signify, which is an incredible owner operator to be able to work under and with as they truly value lighting as well. When you look at Cooper, tell us a little bit about what you all are doing as an organization to continue to push that inspirational moment to support this industry. I have been with Cooper for a long time, for over 30 years, but with the acquisition of Signify, which is the world's largest manufacturer of lighting, it is the first time in my career that I've worked. The owner of our company is a lighting company. Cooper Industries was an electrical company. Eaton was and is an electrical company. Both are great companies, incredibly high integrity, well-run, that understand the industry and the channel. But there really is a nuanced difference in you know working for the world's largest lighting company that has been in the lighting space since since it existed nearly since its very beginning. What are you guys doing at Cooper to continue to inspire people? First of all, I think it's pretty enlightened that uh, Signify operates two separate businesses here in North America. So the Genlight company and Cooper Lighting actually are competitors. Yet we use the global presence of Signify to accelerate R and D, to accelerate technology, to 
take R&D and develop products that we each think may reach the community in different ways. So we have that luxury. Signify is the first company in our industry, I believe, that has already achieved carbon neutrality. There are goals to improve the environmental globally. And, and again, Signify has the opportunity, not just in North America, but, but around the world to impact you know so many people. And the United States, while most of your listeners probably are in the United States, but I'm sure you do have listeners outside. We've got listeners in 18 countries. 18 countries. That's yeah. amazing. Again, most of your listeners are probably in North America, but the world does not revolve around the United States. Uh, and we are obviously a significant power, economic power, the large consumer of goods, but there's, you know, only 450 million people in the United States and, and, you know, what another 35 or 40 million in Canada and, you know, a like number in Mexico and there's 7 billion people on the face of the world. And so we have an opportunity to reach so many more people. That's one of the other exciting things about uh, lighting is I've, I've had the opportunity to come into contact with lighting professionals that take their personal time to bring solar lighting to unelectrified remote communities so that children have an opportunity to learn not about lighting but just math and reading and science in these remote villages because they did not have the ability to read after dark. So there are people that are giving their time. That's just one example of so many amazing people that are in our industry that are giving back uh, in new and unique ways. And, you know, we think of environmental impact by reduction of carbon footprint. But again, in these uh, developing worlds, the impact on the environment is that if the children could learn after dark, it's because they were burning a fire to provide light but that impacted their lungs, their safety. It is direct correlation. You know, a lot of what we talk about in terms of health and safety, you know, well building is a great example of a wonderful organization that is helping to raise the awareness of the impact that lighting and other environmental issues have in our productivity and well-being. But we're thinking about it in terms of our work environment and other parts of the world. It's their livelihood. It's the difference between them being healthy and not healthy. Put simply, light is our livelihood. Lance, this has been an awesome conversation. You've got me pumped up. You've got me inspired to go inspire. And I hope that does that for so many other people. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? You can reach me at lance.com. Bennett at cooperlighting.com. Or can you reach me through Sam? And by the way, back at you, Sam, you know, you you inspire so many people. Yeah, I, I love what I do and I've been in lighting my whole life, but you have brought a breath of fresh air and a different perspective to so many people in our community. I want to thank you for what you've given back and what you not only have done to date, but what you're going to do in the future. And I would leave you with one maybe thought. If each of us, you know, we often go to our local coffee shop, get a coffee to start the day. How about if each of us just took one minute to, to you know, build on something you said a few minutes ago? How about if each of us just took one minute out of our day to think about a way of inspiring somebody we come in contact with about the power of light? Not you know, your lighting agent, your lighting manufacturer, your lighting designer, your Sam, any of us. It's not about our personal product. Just inspire them about lighting. Say to someone, you know, what was one of the most memorable sunrises that you can think of? What is one of the most impressive buildings you've ever walked into where the lighting just wowed you? How about a play that you saw where the lighting created such an emotional effect? If think about if we just take one minute every day and reach out to someone that we work with or someone that we, you know, that has no connection directly to lighting, what difference that could make? It's Lance, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll do it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lance. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me.